Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. And you have joined me on a Texit Tuesday, January the 3rd, episode 324. And we're going to be taking a little bit of excerpts out of the great Tom Woods' book, The National Deforce. He uh, takes a lot of... Uh, Information from his podcast where he's interviewing uh, Jeff Deist as well as Brian McClanahan and none other than Mr. Daniel Miller. But on my Texit Tuesday, I like to talk about the what if or could we scenarios in these uh, situations. I think this is just as important, if not more so, to talk about what's possible once we are independent as opposed to. Uh, whether or not we can or should do it. I think those are both foregone conclusions at this time. Why would we still be arguing about such a thing? We can and we should do this. So um, first things first, why? Why should we separate? Well, I think quite frankly, the nation as a whole trying to run everything from the center as Brian McKin- Dr. McClanahan refers to it um, is hurting everybody. There's uh, no reason why Texas can't and should not be an independent nation. There's no reason why we can't have several independent nations created out of our current quote unquote United States. The only thing that unites us at the moment is the military. What I mean is There is a great deal of military positioning by those from the South, both historically and new South people. They make the lion's share up of the servers in said military. So I'm really curious as to uh, how we got there and Quite frankly, Brian posits the idea, Dr. McClanahan posits the idea, that it's based largely upon the fact that the South wanted to reintegrate so badly, in other words, let bygones be bygones, that they um, overrepresent. They, they really wanted to show themselves that uh, they are part of the solution, that they are part of the team. And as a result, at least for the uh, last hundred years, we have overrepresented. So, when we look at this, there is an entirely different culture, no matter how much they've tried to stamp it out or eliminate it, um, in many parts of the country, but particularly the South. Now, I am not a uh, big proponent on redoing Dixie. I, I don't think that's going to be beneficial. However, We would be foolish to not recognize that there's a lot of people, particularly in the Southeast, that are similar in culture and understanding. Likewise, the Northeast is quite similar in their culture and understanding of things. The Midwest is his own little situation. I mean, obviously, when you deal with the large cities in there, it changes things up a bit. But I would suggest to you that if you were to take the entirety of the West Coast, they would have a far more in common with each other than anyone else in the rest of the nation. 
Likewise, the Intermountain Rocky States have far more in common amongst themselves than Portland, Seattle, or anywhere in California, save maybe the northeast corner of that state. So there should be no cause for concern. These people would naturally want to group together. They would want to form their own groups and societies and independent states, if you will. And we have seen this historically play out in even the United States. There was the the uh, state of Jefferson that was uh, tried. There's the state of Franklin. There's any number of states that have tried to form within states or parts of other states. And honestly, I don't see the problem. Just because in the instance of Texas, if we were to separate and go our own way, that doesn't mean that we would become a hostile nation towards the United States. We have a great and deep affinity for the rest of those states. We just don't want to be ruled out of D.C. any longer. It's not helpful. Much like the colonists didn't want to be ruled out of London, we have no desire to be London or <laughs> ruled by D.C., which is you know the modern-day London. I mean, we talk about an empire. The United States is the largest empire ever, if you exclude maybe the Mongols and perhaps the Russian Empire. We have 800 military bases in like 137 countries across the world or whatever the number is. It doesn't really matter. It's just crazy the footprint the United States has put out there. And it's gotten to the point to where nations that would nominally have no issue with us have become hostile because they're being forced to choose. They're being put in a position where it's not winnable either way they go. The Taiwanese have far more in common with the Chinese across the uh, straits there of Taiwan, but they don't approve of the way they run their country. They don't want to experience that. They don't think that would be a positive outcome, if you will. And, and I can't blame them for that, but I don't think we, the United States, have a responsibility to tell them how they should live or how the, we want them to live any more than we did in Korea or Vietnam. But we do it over and over and over again. And that transfers to here, home, and how we behave. We have, you know, 400 people in D.C. They think they know what's best for the entire rest of the country. And while there's probably 280 to 300, uh, let's call them heritage Americans in this country, we've got an extra 30 to 40 million people that are only Americans because they currently now live here. The, their transients, their um, alsos, right? And, and I suppose if we were to accept the notion of a proposition nation, we would say, well, of course, they're Americans too. But somebody that comes here and wants to bring their culture and their basically re take a piece of their country and plant it in another country, they're colonizers. And we've seen this play out before. I mean, look at what happened to England. Look at what what we did to Germany or Japan, it would seem only fitting, I guess, if the United States was ruined by those same policies, by inviting people in that have zero desire to become Americans, and then they <laughs> destroy the nation along the way. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that we need some of these people, that they bring some positive aspects with them. There's no doubt about that. And I, and I don't 
relish the idea of going out and deporting 10% of our population. I, I don't think that'd be a fun thing to do, but it has been done. Historically, it's occurred. And we don't want to talk about the groups that have done that because the way they did it was vicious, evil, and abusive. But I think there's less um, intrusive ways to deal with that, particularly if we just allow for the states to peacefully disassemble. We let Texas go the way Texas wants to go. We let perhaps California go the way California wants to go. Maine and New Hampshire, maybe they want to go. Alaska, they want to declare their independence. I mean, they've been basically fighting that same battle as long as Texas has. What's the downside here? The the people that are in D.C. have already destroyed our nation. It's only a matter of time before the wheels finally come off completely. But we have more debt than we can possibly ever think to pay off. I mean, even if they repudiate that debt, it doesn't just go away. I mean... The country will avoid paying for it, but somebody's going to come collecting. I mean, I think China is only going to take so many IOUs. I mean, banks don't stay in business by letting even the sovereigns ignore their debts. As a matter of fact, we we have been the law enforcement or the military arm of the banksters many times over. I mean, we need to read Wars of Racket by Smedley Butler to get an idea how this plays out. So let me ask you, if the United States were to break up into several other countries and Texas leads the way, where's the downside? Where's the downside for we the people? That gives you a little bit of the why, right? What's in it for you? Well, you get the Washington boot off your neck. Yes, yes, I know that's going to leave issues in Austin. I get it. And yes, there's going to be some tense negotiations between Austin and Washington. And we're probably going to have a couple of bad deals come out of that. I mean, they're going to want to keep Fort Hood. Well, okay, fine. We'll let you lease it. And uh, we're going to be a non-hostile nation. We're not going to require any passport. We're going to set up a really good bilateral trade program. And you can feel free to move your troops either way you want. Uh, But by the end of the lease, let's make it 10 years, 15 years, you're going to abandon it completely and turn it over to the state of Texas. I mean, it's not that hard. It can be done. It's a question of will they do it? I don't think we have any nuke bases here. Uh, I know we've got a few nuclear power plants. But again, we're a non-hostile nation that's on the border. And as nothing, if nothing else, we act as a buffer state between Mexico and what's left of those United States. I don't see a problem there. I don't see the downside. I, as a matter of fact, I, I think it might be good to have a separate carrier force or a separate uh, military force based in Texas that deals with the rest of the world on our own. And there's any number of ways we can go about doing that. And that will come up in the later aspects of this conversation. Now let's transfer into the how. So the how. There's the question. So we could do it county by county. We could do a referendum. I think that's actually the preferred method right now is to get a referendum to gauge the interest, right? It seems only right. We could do a convention. 
much like the folks over at Convention of States have been pushing for, we could do a convention to determine whether or not there's enough interest in having a uh, Texit. Then there's the recourse where we could go through the elected representatives. I won't be holding my breath there. I think most of them all see themselves as being fish in a bigger pond or in a lake at some point in the future. So they have a vested interest in not allowing Texas to go its separate way. And I would say this too. I think it's entirely feasible that they could serve as ambassadors to individual states, to, to uh, the United States. I'd be more than happy to trade any number of uh, current state representatives or even a few state senators to go to D.C. to work as ambassadors. Maybe we have our own matricular counselors. <laughs> there, there are so many ways we could do this, right? But it comes down to the how. And it's going to come down to we the people. Do we have the will to tell D.C. we're done? Do we have the audacity to say we'll go it on our own? Do we have enough of our forefathers left in us to realize that we don't need them? They need us more than we need them. Now, if it goes to a referendum, I could very easily see that would be a very educational or interesting period of time, much like they did when the EU lost Great Britain, right? Or the two previous referendums to allow um, Quebec go its separate way. The question is, is if they keep dumping in people from California, the Northeast, in Illinois, in Texas, are we going to have enough native Texans to override that to want to leave? Now, they say they're good people, they're good Republicans or whatever that are coming here, but do they have the same oomph to want to go for Texas independence? I don't know. I don't want to rule it out entirely, but I wonder. Historically, you know, they went back in time, or if we go back in time, um, the South tried to purchase federal property within the geographic South. Texas could do much the same thing, or they could offer to lease it back to D.C. for a period of time. This is how. And of course, there's this national debt that they're building upon us that we can never, ever get out from under. But if they should piece it out proportionately by the states, I think Texas can find a way to handle it. It'll be a lot. We'll have to get creative in how we do it, but I think it's doable. If for no other reason than we could sell our oil without the encumbrances that are put on encumbrances put on us by the feds. We can kick the feds out and we can start dealing with some of these things here locally. Right? How? There are very many agencies that exist that really have no business to exist legally, constitutionally, or quite frankly, rationally. But if you're concerned about these things, we can still do those in Texas. There's no reason to believe that we would fail without DC. And as a matter of fact, if DC were to blip off the map tomorrow, like Thanos showed back up, snapped his fingers and made DC go away and everybody in it, I think we'd all be better off. Now it may take us a couple of weeks to reorientate to the situation, but I think we'll be just fine. The question is, do we have the willingness to do that? Are we going to take that leap of faith? Are we going to step out and do this? 
And there's a lot of fear and apprehension, and I would say it's misplaced and unnecessary, but it's there nonetheless. So how do we deal with it? How do we figure it out? That brings us to the third section of today's episode, the now. What do we do now? How do we make this a better situation now? Well, I'll tell you, I have a couple of thoughts on this. The Republicans have very little interest in finding a way to make this happen. The Democrats have even less interest in finding a way to make this happen. The Greens, well, there are the Greens. The Libertarians, and I love those guys. I mean, the vast majority of the time we're in agreement or at least partial agreement. But they only make up, what, 6% at most of the population? When, When it comes to voting, they get... 3% maybe? I mean, don't get me wrong, the, they don't have near the powerful lobby that the homosexual lobby does, but man, even the Republicans are paying heed to the alphabet folks, right? We're, we're, why not, I don't know, pay attention to the people that make up the majority of your party, the, the majority of your activists. They want to be able to be heard on this issue. They want to vote on it. Win, lose, or draw. It's it's done deal. Now, <laughs> funny I should bring this up, right? Because we all know that the elections aren't free and clear anymore, right? But I, I suspect that the outcome would at least be not close enough that we would be confident at the outcome. And if we look at it, right now, the Texas nationalist movement is building up an army in the state of Texas. And when I say an army, I'm speaking metaphorical, not literal. I mean, they're not a bunch of armed militants. It's, these are people going out to spread the word and, quite frankly, to sell the concept, to make it known to the people, this is what we want. This is how we think we can do it. Will you join us? Will you at least consider this as an option going forward? I think that's a very smart way to do this. And you got to give those guys a lot of credit over at the Texas Nationals Movement, which is why I'm glad to be a member. But one of the things that they have done a really good job of is avoiding the political side of this. They're avoiding, you know, picking a party or pushing anything specifically. They are about as nonpartisan as you can be with being a Texas nationalist, right? They're the patriots in this game, and the loyalists are the establishment. And the establishment has made it clear they have zero interest in what the patriots want. That doesn't leave us a whole lot of recourse. But perhaps if there was another party on the horizon, perhaps maybe, you know, a party that previously existed were to reemerge from the shadows and say, uh, not only do we think Texas is good a good idea as an independent nation, not only do we appreciate what the folks over at the Texas Nationalist Movement are trying to do, we're going to start planning for what could we do once we gain independence. We're going to start drafting and tweaking on the Texas state constitution to make it a Texas national constitution. We're going to look about what do we do to make this better? We're going to start developing different ways of doing it. Because clearly, in my opinion, we are underrepresented in Austin as it is. Do you really believe 33 people 
are enough senators? I'm sorry, it's 31. My apologies. Do you really believe 150 is the correct number of representatives? Do you really believe it should be only based on population? Should not the individual counties have a little say in how this plays out? Do you really believe that the court that basically made a decision or issued an opinion that told us how we should structure our representation was the right way to go about doing this? Do you really believe that the governor should be able to act independently without the state representatives or the uh, state assembly stepping in to say, well, no. Do you really think that, I don't know, the Texas high court should be able to determine whether or not an attorney general has authority to prosecute crime? The last time I looked, they were supposed to validate the constitutionality of a law. They were supposed to validate an outcome, but they weren't supposed to write law or rewrite law, but we allow it. Maybe that's something that should be considered. And just for the sake of argument, if Texas were to go independent and there might be some other states that would want to join us, how are we going to do that? Do we have a method to do compact or a treaty or is this something where there are going to be two independent states that are going to confederate together? I don't know. But these are all things that another party or another interested group could get involved in and start talking about. I would like to see that play out. I think I know some people that are looking at this as a possibility. I think that I would be very interested to see where they go with it. And I think it's only a matter of time before the other people that are sitting on the sidelines, just being the keyboard warrior or the um, occasional um, (laughs) poster on social media will get out of the grass and say, well, you know, if you're actually thinking about doing this, I'd like to be able to do this, or I'd like to talk about this. I think it would get a lot more grassroots representation. And I think there'd be a lot more interest on what it is that we can do. If somebody starts gaming this out now, Now, I don't think that's necessarily the best role for the Texas Nationalist Movement. I think they really have done a great job of focusing in on getting over the finish line. Now, I think they might have a lot of valuable information and some research that they've already done on some of these subjects, but I don't think they're necessarily the best group to put forth this because that would distract from their primary objective and it would kind of muddy the water what it is they're working on. But if we were to take that off their plate, if we were to offer... I don't know, a a separate entity dealing with that. That would be very interesting, which is not to say they would be competitive. I would see this as a cooperative situation. We're all on the same team here. We want a free and independent Texas. Daniel Miller's often asked the question, if we knew then what we knew now, would we still agree to join the Texas Union? I'm sorry, would we still agree to have Texas join the Union? And overwhelmingly, the majority of the people say, heck, not no, but heck no. This has not worked out well for Texas. Not, not now it isn't. I mean, maybe in some distant past, it was a great idea. I don't know. <sighs> but again, let me recap this. We know why we want it why we want to do this, why we want to at least have this conversation. Let's put it that way. We know how we can do it. 
We don't need anybody's permission. We can just leave. We force the issue. They're not going to evade. They're not going to do anything. Don't be afraid for something that isn't going to happen. They have neither the will nor the opportunity to pull that off. Don't be afraid. And the now, the here and the now, what would be gained by separating? We already know what it's costing us to stay, and it's becoming an unbearable situation. But why would we want to stay when we have the opportunity to go off on our own? I'm going to tell you, folks, we're going to have another 50 weeks worth of episodes, and I'm going to vacillate back and forth between you know Texas and Texas, but I'm here to tell you, I, I think this is a very viable option, and I think that if we're not willing to have the conversation, we're not willing to be honest about it, we're never going to improve our situation. I don't believe it's a panacea. But it's an opportunity. And as an opportunity, we have to work to exploit it. We have to work to get the best outcome we possibly can. We can't do that if we sit on the sidelines fearful of what might happen. Fearful of what the feds might say. Fearful of what D.C. might do. D.C. can't even keep their streets clean. The, The Democrat rulers of various cities and states can't deal with so many problems. Texas going their own way is at the very least (laughs) something I can't comprehend. Don't let fear derail everything that we could do. Don't let fear of the unknown cause you to sit at home, sit on your hands, hide in the basement. None of these things are going to give us the outcome that we want. Now, some people are going to disagree on what liberty is. Some people are going to disagree on what freedoms we need to protect or what's most preeminent. Okay, that's fine. We can do all those things, but first we have to get under the jackboot of D.C. We can do all those things, but first we have to see ourselves free from the encumbrance, from the chains that emanate out of the federal government. And we need to be wary of turning over that same exact power to the same select few in Austin when we do get about pulling off our independence. Now, I've said for several years, look, I I will tell you, I'm not sure absolutely 100% that Texas the way to go. I'm for all peaceable solutions. I'm for all options on the table. That's always been my tactic. But I got to tell you, We've now had at least two fraudulent elections that nobody's done anything about. We watched Brazil be given away to a communist and nobody did anything about it. The ballot box is no longer functioning. They already control the soapbox and have done their level best to take it away from us. Now, fortunately, there still are independent, you know, platforms and a few Uh, people like myself that just stick their necks out and see what happens. But we're being lied to and programmed all the time. And the jury box, they have stacked the juries. They've dumbed down the juries. They, They have violated our rights left and right. And nothing has happened to solve that problem. This is the last recourse we have. 
before things get ugly. And I beseech you, do not wish for ugly. Do not ask for something that you've never, ever experienced. It won't end the way you think it'll end. It won't go down the way you hope it's going to go down. It's always been said war is not an answer, right? The lefties are real big about that. Unless, of course, it is you that are disobeying them and then they use war to implement their policies on you. But war is not the answer. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes it is. Sometimes that's all that's left. But we're not there yet. And we can potentially avoid it if the cooler heads prevail. If the, if the wisdom of the ages is still around in our country, we can just go our separate ways. There is very little fanfare and very little fighting when the Czech Republic separated from Slovakia. The same could be said to a lesser degree, but when the Baltic states left, that'd be Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia, they parted ways with the Soviet Union. Belarus, Poland, Ukraine, Hungary, Bulgaria, Moldova, all these nations were created out of the ashes of the former Soviet Union. Most of them get along with Mother Russia just fine now. Most of them have made peace with their situation. I mean, Poland, I'm not sure what they're thinking. In Ukraine, I think they picked a fight that they didn't need to pick, but that's just me. But the majority of those nations went their same way. And we'll pass over Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. But you know what? I think at some point I'm going to do an episode on Yugoslavia. And I am not a Yugoslavian scholar. But I do know a thing or two about Yugoslavia that might just help people be enlightened as to why that was such a mess. And what went on there. In the here and the now, the best, most satisfying, and least amount of bloodshed can be had if we will just go our separate ways. I'm asking you, take the time, do the research. Don't take my word for it. Don't believe something because I said it. Do your own research. Look into it yourself. And I'm going to call it a day. That's it. That is January 3rd's uh, episode 324 on our Texit Tuesday. I thank you for joining me. If you appreciated or enjoyed or found it worth your time, please like, share, subscribe, comment, post this show. We are making a difference. We're jumping right back in where we left off mid-December. Liberty matters. And as long as it is breath in my voice and blood in my veins, I'm going to be advocating for it. And until tomorrow, I will see you on the other side. Canceled by the big tech mafia, but inadvertently profiting, promoting their stocks in a mutual fund or ETF. At two pillars, they believe that censorship is a form of violence and a business practice that does not promote human flourishing. In many cases, through their investigative screening process, 
they can help you divest from companies that are denying your God-given inalienable right to speak freely. Hey, patriots, Two Pillars believes it's time for conservatives to align their values and investments. Two Pillars is your place for impact investing in the parallel economy. Find out what's in your investment portfolio with a complimentary portfolio review. Contact them today to learn more. Call toll-free at 833-377-0051 or send an email to info at twopillarsam.com. That's info at T-W-O-pillarsam.com. Get started today. Advisory services are offered through Jacob and Boaz Asset Management, LLC, doing business as Two Pillars Asset Management or Two Pillars. A registered investment advisor in the states of Texas and California. Two Pillars is not endorsed by any government agency and is not engaged in the practice of law or tax advice.